You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. So if you're looking for any type of batteries, whether it's for your truck, your car, your trail cameras, your rangefinder, stop into a local Interstate Batteries retail location. There are thousands upon thousands of them all over the United States. Talk with a battery specialist and get the batteries that you need to go on with your life. Interstate batteries, outrageously dependable. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete Houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up here! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days how many days a week do you spend out As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs> In this episode of the Houndsman XP podcast, your patience has been paid off. Chris Powell returns to the mic. A lot of fans have been asking me, where's Chris? Where's Chris? Well, him and Lauren sat down to catch up with each other about Lauren's season, and Chris talks about what he's been up to and what he's been doing with his hounds and his own life, and we're glad to have you back, buddy. Chris and Lauren talk about all kinds of casual, fun stuff. They talk about what's going on in the bear woods, how to treat hounds that have unfortunate encounters with hounds, and how to proceed, plus breeding hounds and even crazy other habits of mammals that they're going to get into and I'm not going to give any spoilers. Hey guys, before we get there, I wanted to talk about a couple friends of Hounds on XP podcast. I'm going to start with our Patreon account, guys. Patreon's a monthly subscription that allows you to make a contribution to Hounds on XP podcast at selected tiers of payment and uh, it's super easy to find it, guys. Go to our website, www.houndsonxp.com. Click on the Patreon tab. It'll take you right there. You can also go to patreon.com, search in the top right bar for Hounds on XP, and we'll be right there. We use the Patreon account to keep the lights on at HXP. We're using it to increase our audio capabilities. We want to use it to travel so we can go out and hunt with our fans, spend time with the fans, and we can always keep improving the best hound hunting podcast in the world. Guys, it would mean a lot to us, and we really appreciate our current patrons. We send out a tumbler when you join, 
And I wanted to just make this announcement here in this pre-roll, guys. Uh, we have our monthly prize drawings. They've been on hold because when Chris returns home, we'll be able to ship out our merchandise. He has it. So stay tuned. We're going to soon in the month of October do our double prize giveaway, uh, missing uh, September and also for October. So that is coming out, guys. We appreciate your patience, and we're excited to get the prizes out to our patrons. That's one benefit of joining us on Patreon. Another one is that we put out all kinds of behind-the-scenes content and uh, extras, like mini-podcasts that we call Tailgate Talks with friends of the podcast. And I just want to say right now, guys, I love to talk to our fans. Reach out to us. Uh, We have our email addresses on www.houndsandxp.com. Uh, we also can be found on Facebook through the Hounds and XP podcast group. Message us, reach out to us. We'd love to talk to the fans. And hey, I'd like to have you on a tailgate talk. Let's just chat hounds. Let's chat anything we want. Uh, our Patreon account also has cool videos from my work where we fly drones over big game, which is really fun. And that footage is really unique. We have all kinds of articles and recipes and just things that can make you a more complete houndsman and you know that you're in a community of other like-minded individuals who also share that binding goal, preserve, protect, promote. So to our current patrons, thank you so much for your support and we will look forward to your subscription to Houndsman XP Patreon account. I also want to take this moment, guys, to talk about Paws Are Protected. I was literally just talking to a fan who uses Paws of Protected on her running hounds in the Southern California hills. And uh, she was saying how much better it makes the dog's feet after she started preconditioning them for hunting and also repairing those injuries that they get from running on rocky terrain. So that was just one awesome testimonial that we get from people that are using Paws of Protected. You can check them out. And if you join us on uh, Patreon, guys, you'll get a 20% off your first order of Paws of Protected. That's something that we love using and we love to help out. Kevin Hall's a real stand-up guy, and if I do say so myself, he's got a pretty awesome last name. (laughs) So, guys, I want to also give a shout-out to Freedom Hunters. I always do, and it means so much to me. This is an organization that's putting veterans and Gold Star family members back out in the field or getting them out in the field for the first time. It's an organization that it just does great things and it's an organization that deserves a shout out and uh, definitely deserves as much uh, notoriety as they can get check them out www.freedomhunters.org there's a lot of ways you can get involved you can host your own freedom hunters event or you can obviously try to become a uh, freedom hunters hunter yourself so like i said www.freedomhunters.org go check them out you guys well I'm uh, sad I didn't get a in on this one, but you know what? I do enough talking as it is, so I'm just going to let these guys roll with it. Here's Chris and Lauren catching up and talking about all things hound hunting. Enjoy, guys. Welcome to the Houndsman XP podcast and a voice like a blast from the past. I haven't been here for a while, Lauren. How are you? <laughs> hey, Chris. I think you almost forgot the name of the podcast there. You you uh, <laughs> you froze up for a second. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. So yeah. I, I'm I'm following your footsteps, I, and I'm I'm not sure how many days I've been in my camper now, but it's been several. And I'm in uh, Kalispell, Montana, and uh, came up here for work. And I've just been living in my 2001 Jayco Eagle. 
Yeah, I was going to bring that up. You're kind of uh, living the Lauren life, but not as fun because you're not really getting to hunt. It's all work. You know what? I've been up and here. Yeah, I've been up here for six weeks, and we have hunted two days. The rest of the time has been work. It's been pretty bad. It <laughs> sounds awful, but at least your camper's like a little bit bigger and a little bit nicer than mine. Yeah, I found this camper on, um, I found it on Marketplace because I knew I was going to need something to stay in uh, while I was out here working and found this camper on Marketplace over in Great Falls, Montana. Drove over there, took a look at it. It was owned by an, uh, an older couple. It's got all the oak upgraded uh, cabinets in it stuff and and stuff like that it's immaculate and um, so I just snagged it it's pretty nice nice what are you gonna do with it when you're done out there you know I'm really tempted to pull it back home because it's just it, yeah. it is that nice I'm I, I'm really tempted to do that so not sure yet haven't do, haven't crossed that do you bridge. have a camper back at home at all no 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 camper well, then, at home. yeah I mean, it sucks to pull that far, but um, yeah. this thing I came, think it's worth it to have one. Yeah, it came fully equipped. I mean, really, dishes, silverware. There were there's cleaner in this camper. There's enough paper towel to last me till like through the next COVID toilet paper crisis, and <laughs> all kinds of stuff. I mean, this thing is is was really it really is set up, and uh, it's got a full size queen size bed in it. And um, shower, bathroom, all self-contained, four-season. And came with a uh, Yamaha generator and the hitch. Oh, nice. Yeah, it came with a hitch and sway bar package, the whole nine yards. So it was it was quite the find. I was, I was pretty proud of myself. Usually I get skinned on deals, but uh, I felt like this one was worth it. Nice. Good yep. to hear. And uh, that, I mean, two days of hunting, that does... That does suck. Uh, hopefully, you'll get into it a little bit more. Um, but uh, what's uh, what's the news out there out west? What are we uh, What are we hearing about? Oh, you mean just? I'll tell you what's cool about being out west is, um, you know, I'm seventeen, sixteen hundred miles from home or whatever. And and uh, Scott Smith, longtime Houndsman XP fan. And a supporter of the podcast came down and, and uh, we hung out and talked dogs for a little bit. He's got Houndsman XP stickers on his truck. I think I posted a picture of that on social media. And uh, I'm out here with my buddy, Larry Anderson. He's been on the podcast before. Uh, Larry lives down in Gibbon. And I, and I got to meet him. Yeah, you did. How was that? Yeah, he... Uh... He played hooky from work, from working with you. No kidding, <laughs> and, for a week. Uh, came out to Wisconsin. Yeah, he, he leaves me. Yeah, in he I mean, leaves I me in Kalispell. Yeah, leaves me up here by myself in Kalispell and takes yeah. off back east to bear hunt. I'm like, well, I want a bear hunt. Why am I staying here working? I know. I asked him how his buddy Chris felt about that. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? Uh, but I only got to see him for. Um, I think he said he wasn't too happy about it. Something, something to that nature. And I'm like, you know, whatever. Yeah. I'm hunt. I get it. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I get it because I'm the same way. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. ruining my life right now, but you know, right. whatever. Um, but I only got to see him for a couple hours. Yeah. Cause you kind of, you kind of ran Piper into it. Yeah. So. We're going to talk about Piper getting chewed up by a bear and stuff in this podcast. But, uh, so, you know, getting back to, to the yeah. wet, the West type stuff. So Scott Smith comes down here and then I meet, uh, I'm meeting houndsmen from this whole region, uh, sat down and, and before I get to the houndsman part, I sat down with Jim Williams, who is the author of path of the Puma. He's also the region one director here. Uh, he wrote a whole book about mountain lions and his work for the last 27 years from Montana all the way down to Patagonia uh, National Park in Chile, South America. And we talked for a little bit about that and recorded a podcast, which will be coming out soon, I hope. And um, Jim's a super cool guy. If, no, if, if, if you're out there and you're looking for a great book to read, you need to pick up Jim Williams' book, Path of the Puma. It's probably one of the most it's it's one of the most intriguing books that I've read. Uh it talks a lot about biology, it talks a lot about predators and and things in the northwest. But Jim has a way of writing that draws it in and Jim for those of, of you that have not heard of Jim Williams, he is a very good friend to houndsmen. And he dedicated a whole book to how, how houndsmen have supported lions and how there would probably not be any mountain lion hunting in the West at all if it had not been for the houndsmen that rose up for the occasion to speak out for mountain lions and mountain lion management. And, and he's just a very good spokesperson on the other side for houndsmen especially in the Northwest. So uh, super good guy, had a great conversation with him. And then houndsman-wise, so I've met Scott Williams. Uh, Casey Stutzman is a houndsman from uh, up around Marion, Montana. I went out to his house, looked at all his hounds, got pictures and, and all that stuff. But Casey runs the uh, mountain lion study. He kind of uh, coordinates that whole thing for the state of Montana. So going to have some information coming in or some, some episodes coming in from Casey Stutzman. But other than that, Casey's just a super good guy and, and very knowledgeable about, about lion hounds and, and lion hunting. So it's been a good trip. Yeah. Sounds like, uh, some good stuff's coming out of that. And I'm certainly excited to, to hear from these guys because I, I, didn't know who either of them was and want to learn more about lion hunting. And I think the, like the biology is, I love that part of it too. Probably not as much as Seth does. Right. Who does? (laughs) Seth's just on another level. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. We can enjoy nerding out. Yeah. We can enjoy nerding out with him once in a while though. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Seth would have got a big kick out of talking to Jim Williams uh, probably would have turned an hour and a half conversation into a three hour conversation that we'd had to edit all the big words out of and all the Latin. Yep. Well, (laughs) (laughs) well, yeah, like the last podcast, he, uh, used the, the Latin name for something after he said the normal name. And I'm like, well, what's the point? 
you're just whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's just me. He likes that. I've hey, got, Seth, I've got a, z- like you. yeah, I've got a zinger for him when we uh, all get back together. You know, we've always talked about what a herd of this is called or what, what multiple uh, species or like a herd of pigs is called. And, and, you know, we, sure. we talk about that kind of stuff. And uh, I've got a zinger for him when we get back together. So I'm not going to let it out of the bag, but I'll be surprised if he knows this one. Good. Good. I'm excited to hear about it. So the weather out here is phenomenal. Uh, We've been looking at lows in the high 30s, low 40s, highs around 60 degrees during the day. And, of course, western weather agrees with me very well. Low humidity. I found out that you can actually leave a package of Nutter Butters in the original container and leave them open for two weeks and they won't go stale. Nice. It is amazing. No, good, low humidity is low humidity is great. Yep. Yep. Uh, I I am I am not so lucky with the whole low humidity. It has been raining constantly here. Um, but you know you could use outside as a refrigerator. At some point, either in both of our climates, yes, if if necessary. Absolutely, you got to keep the beer cold somehow. I I was gonna. I didn't know if I could say you just could keep a case of beer under the camper or not, but that's what I. I would do. (laughs) Well, you're you're from the. (laughs) I need I need my fridge for all the food. I like food too. (laughs) Oh yeah, you bet. I'll tell you what. So. Tell me, and then, of course, the last houndsman, I already mentioned Larry's name. Larry and I actually came out here and formed an LLC and um, have been working in the roofing industry in the Flathead Valley. Uh, But we also, the, the reason we did that is because we got to know each other through hunting. So um, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. So yeah. I get get to hang out with with a good friend and in an epic place. I, I, I can't even describe this place. If you've never made a trip to Northwest Montana, if you're a houndsman, you need to do that. I mean, just to see the vastness of the country. Uh, it's, it's just amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. I, I definitely need to get out there. I mean, the furthest West I've gone, you know, I did the whole Arizona, New Mexico thing. I've been to like California, but not like the super. Well, I was to some super fun parts, but I yeah. need to see Utah. I need to see Idaho. I need to see Montana and all that. You've got the uh, what's your camper? What's the name of that? The the Free Spirit Cub. Free Spirit Cub, hooked up behind yeah. the Tacoma, and um, yeah, you need to see it, Lauren. You really do. Yeah, it's just like, like towing that thing. So far, I don't know. Maybe I I might want to upgrade soon. I'm thinking. How long is your camper? To, how long is it? That's the thing. I I've never measured it, and I don't know how much it weighs. But I hitched it up to the truck anyway, and I'm like, well, it's got to weigh less than like what's the towing capacity of the truck? Like 45 or 4,800 pounds. I'm like, it's got to weigh less than that. I'm sure it's okay. It's yeah, gotta be okay. It's gotta be. Um, it's gotta be. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking it's like 18 or 20 feet something like that i don't know yeah um but you know there's lighter newer models out there that i could 
get for like just a couple thousand more. Oh, so you're thinking about upgrading the camper end, not the truck end. Yeah. (laughs) I got you now. Yeah. I don't think I want to like upgrade to the Tundra yet. I really like the Tacoma. Yeah. And and my dogs have already messed it up, and I've already messed it up enough in a, within a, a year span <laughs> that, you know, to get it ready to, to trade in or sell would be more of a headache. Well, and anybody that knows, goes back to my old rule, you never buy a used truck from a bear hunter, ever. Yeah, but mine has only been bear hunted, like, basically, like, one season and then, like, half of another season. Okay, so you don't Not buy you don't buy a so used it's, truck it's, from a bear hunter or Lauren Branny. <laughs> yeah, that too. I mean, there were there were some times this year where I was like, "Ooh, that doesn't sound good," and then I like keep driving. I'm like, "Everything's fine." Yeah, we're going. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, hey, before we get too deep into this, I really do want to dive into the uh, UKC World Championship. Particularly, I want to talk about. A good friend of mine, Danny Perez, and Buffalo Creek pop oh, him up. I'm sorry. With what you got? I'm sorry. Piper was just, um, that was Piper. Um, she's not dying, but she sounded like it. I so. thought, I sorry, thought, guys. I thought maybe that was you. But anyway, so I want to talk about uh, my good friend, Danny Perez, and the 2020 Blue Tech World Champion, Buffalo Creek pop him up Woodrow. Uh, huge congratulations going out to Danny and, uh, Woodrow's got a pretty special place in my heart. I bought Woodrow from Danny. Uh, I can't even remember how old he was. He was under two and, um, uh, hunted him for a few months there, but I saw enough out of that dog that I bred him to my jazz female and Wood Woodrow had no titles at all. Um, I just bought him because I liked his pedigree. My ultimate plan was to breed, breed him to something, and then breed that fe- of keep a female pup and breed that back to big country stuff. And mm. yeah, Jazz was you know she's a grand knight, and uh, a lot of people will be like, oh, I'm not breeding an untitled male to anything. And I made the cross with Woodrow on jazz and we ended up with the uh wilson dog that another friend of mine travis holbrook has been campaigning super nice young hound uh we've got um a couple other pups out of that that cross that are doing real well but woodrow is a heavy papa top bred male and uh he was a really nice young dog and danny has done phenomenal with him he bought him back from me and it's a good thing he did because he'd never get the recognition that he deserves if he hadn't because of my um, kind of lack of interest in competition hunting in my sure. re- recent times. So I'm really happy for Danny and I'm really happy for Woodrow. And so I just want to say congratulations to those guys. Pretty awesome stuff. Yeah, congrats, guys. I was following along on UKC's Facebook page. I was watching all the Facebook lives that they were doing of, um, like, the inter- the tailgate uh, interviews. I was watching the bench show. I watched the confirmation, or not the confirmation. I watched, I don't know, they had a bunch of stuff going on, and then I would follow along um, 
with uh, the play-by-play as I remembered to refresh on the forum and all that. Right. And it was just really cool seeing all the pictures that they would post of the cast and who made it through. And I think, personally, I think UKC did a really great job this time around covering the world hunt. Yeah. You know, Alan, our friend Alan Gingrich, it's been on the podcast a couple times. They really got that dialed in now. And um, they do an outstanding job, even in this uncertain times and and that we're living in i know autumn oaks didn't go off like any of us wanted it to but they mm-hmm. they continued to you know put out a quality product and put on a good time and and things like that so good stuff yeah and and i when i saw that picture of woodrow um before the final cast even went out just as one of the you know, pictures that was coming through of which uh, cast winners uh, were coming out of, of the uh, rounds. I saw that picture of it and I'm, on, and I'm like, that's a really good looking dog. So not only is it a well-performing dog, but it seems to have really, or he seems to have really good confirmation as well. And I even thought in the back of my head, I don't know if any of you are following me on like Facebook or anything. I'm looking for a stud for Piper and I'm like, oh, maybe I should breed to this dog. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, Danny's wife, Megan, she captured, she brought home the 2020 World Championship um, Trim Walker female award this year, too. Oh, that's the, his wife? That's his wife. So, she okay. is, yeah, she is an outstanding bench show uh, handler and trainer. And she hunts with Danny all the time. If you follow them on any social media platforms, you'll always see them together. Whether it's fishing or hunting or or hounds or whatever, I mean, that's a whole family package going on there. So Danny brings home the World Championship Coonhound for Blue Ticks, and she brings home the Bench Show World Championship for Dreamwalkers. There's got to be some celebrating happen there, some steaks, and yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, oh, I was like a dream of mine. I'd say Danny probably ate a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> I don't With know. mustard or ketchup or just I don't know. ketchup? Do you I'll know ask, that well? <laughs> I'll ask him. I'll ask him. So, no, they 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 really do. They get after it. They're serious about their hounds. Danny's one of the hardest hunting guys that I know. Um, I mean, that guy lives in the woods year round, and. It, Hard work pays off. What can you say? Where is he located? He's in Missouri. Like, yep. where does he live? What state? Missouri. Okay. Yeah, Missouri. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep, in Missouri. So, and he's he's fun to hunt with too. I've I've hunted with him on a couple casts and stuff. And and uh, Danny's a serious competitor, and and uh, Megan is too when she's in the show ring. And people that are familiar with bench shows and at that level are familiar with Megan and and know that. She's a very good trainer as well. So good mm-hmm. stuff. I'd like I probably I probably I've probably seen her out there, but I get so scared in the ring. I like I start sweating and my heart's beating super fast and it's like I forget to breathe. <laughs> and then my dog my dog feels that and like Piper hates me, but then other times she loves me. But right. when other people show her on the bench, it's fine. And then when I do, she's like, No. So yep. Yep. Oh. Yeah, there's my story about that. Well, let's hear about the uh, Wisconsin bear hunt. 
Well, uh, it was an interesting training season, and it was a eventful but yet not eventful uh, kill season. Very short. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where to start and what I've I can't keep track of what I've told our podcast listeners and what I've told my friends and stuff like that. Um, we well, haven't, you haven't told me. I spent okay. Um, well, training season, we kind of covered that a little bit yep. in podcasts here and there because I was recording up when I was in my camper for 60 days. Um, it went, training season went awesome. I loved it. Um, I ate every second of full training season because the year before I had only, I only went up like three or four times, maybe between training and kill season. So Piper didn't got out maybe six or 10 times last year. And this year, uh, you know, like 40, maybe, yeah, maybe less. I don't know, something like that. Um, so I had Piper going and then I was starting another pup, Cedar, who just turned a year old, uh, a little less than a month ago. And, and now I regret not starting her brother too, Ridge, seeing as what happened at in the beginning of kill season. But Cedar turned out to be uh, really fun to start she was running backtracks for a while so that wasn't fun but that was kind of my fault too because i just let her out of the box and let her go mm-hmm. and not kind of point her in the right direction but it was also neat to see her figure that out and realize that the track's getting colder and then turn around so there were some learning moments for for all of us just like you know even seasoned houndsmen learn every year so um right yeah i was just super thrilled with the way training season went and the last couple weeks of weekends of training season i moved down to a place called elko wisconsin it's just north of anago and i got together with a really good group of houndsmen who are just just a super good group of guys super supportive of everybody you know no one's trying to beat anyone out or just it, it's just a really good environment and mm-hmm. all about the training and all of that so that was really refreshing honestly and then the territory changing from bayfield county down to langlade county and there's another county that that's around there um is totally different i'm like wow like i didn't know how easy i had it up north mm-hmm compared to in what way where i'm hunting now so it's um thicker forest swamp all the time everywhere up and up in the north end no further south okay so only three only three hours from my house it's worse than seven hours okay uh yeah so the swamps everywhere lack of closer roads and trails so the sections are a lot bigger um but positive while there are wolves the wolf situation isn't as bad there so that was like just a little bit like of a weight off my shoulders yeah um so um so there was a quiet period this year between uh, running hounds and 
uh, for training season and then for kill season. So it was really hard uh, to wait around during that time. And I didn't want to switch my dogs over to coon yet because if I'm going into kill season, I don't want the last thing for them to be smelling as raccoon. I don't want to treat a coon when I'm going for bear. So I didn't coon hunt my two females and I was just, I was going nuts. I was going through withdrawal. I was like, yeah. I've got an addiction. It's not drugs. It's bear hunting. And this is horrible because I'm going through a draw <laughs> and I, I, <laughs> I uh, am trying to figure some other stuff out to get interested and involved in um, like trapping and uh, shooting doves and all that other stuff Yeah, um, to, tr- to, to try and keep myself busy. So anyway, so what was your quiet, season the, rolls around? Were you, was there a quiet period because why every yeah every other year then the the uh, tree stand bait bait type hunters get Correct. the first part of kill season. So it switches every other year, right? You are right. So this year was the Correct. year that the so, bait, that the bait yeah. sitters. So this got, year it was just first go. Yep. Yep. So it was, they had an extra super quiet period. And, um, you know, I was still seeing a lot of bears being taken uh, by bait sitters, uh, if you follow stuff on social media. Um, but I've also, now during kill season, people are getting some nice bears um, and having pretty decent luck uh, running them. And, you know, you still have to work super hard because the baits don't get hit as hard or as. Uh, frequently as they do during training season Mm -hmm. um but i'm seeing people have still some really good success but anyway yeah you're right about the the switching off of the bait sitters going first or the hound runners going first yeah dennis upson sent out a nice dennis upson sent out a real nice picture of a bear that they they took up there and he's a he's a uh friend of larry's so Larry Larry Anderson got a photo of a nice bear they took there in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, it was it was super cool to see all these bears taken, but at the same time, like I wasn't out there. I haven't he- yet to see so... any bear come down. My dogs <laughs> haven't gotten on any fur at all. Yeah. So I'm like sitting here, like you know, looking at my computer, crying on the inside because. I barely cry on the outside <laughs> um, of all the fun that these people are ha- having. And it's not necessarily like the bears that they're getting, but I'm just seeing like, you know, videos about the hunt and, you know, so were people you t- hanging out and stuff like that. I'm like, I am missing all of this. So were you like on Facebook? And the reason- and were you on Facebook saying stuff like, oh, congratulations and liking photos and stuff, but really not meaning it? Uh, no, I truly mean it. Um, and I don't know how much I've commented on. Maybe I like didn't like as many as I should have because I was like on the inside, like Meh. yeah, that's what I'm. <laughs> that's what I'm getting at right there. Like, Scrooge. Yeah, I'm real happy for you. Yeah, right. Yeah, like <laughs> oh wow, that's real. That's really nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the way I so felt the, the last that I, five I weeks. Haven't yeah, yeah, so we're in the same boat, except mine is for different circumstances. Yeah, so tell us t- um, tell us why you're not hunting. I want to hear this story. 
Um, so I was super pumped for for kill season, and and I wasn't able to go opening day, but I told my boss, I'm like, you know, screw it, like I'm taking vacation Thursday, Friday, and I'm going up north, blah blah blah, bye. And I uh, packed up my stuff after I did a bunch of work on Wednesday night and packed everything up super quick in an hour, loaded all the dogs up. Cedar's in heat, almost standing heat at this point. And yeah. uh, I, I, no one, I had no one around to watch her. So I had to bring her up. And then there's like 30 dogs there. I'm like, oh, gosh, this could end real bad. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I load the dogs up and I go up to where Larry is because Larry had invited me up to that um, bear camp in Price County. Right. So I leave at like seven at night. I get there at 11. All the guys are snoring, passed out because they had gotten a bear that day. So everybody celebrated as they should. Um, right. So I get there and try and sleep. And I probably slept, I don't know, maybe an hour. And I'm up at like 440 in the morning. I'm like, yes, let's get it. Yes, do this. I'm so excited. And... Uh, <laughs> I cook breakfast for all the guys. They're like, well, we normally don't eat breakfast. I'm like, well, it's here. So yeah, just eat something. Um, and I normally don't eat breakfast either. But I'm like, you know what? I brought up this venison bacon from my roadkill venison last year. <laughs> and I brought... <laughs> It was a it was a valid roadkill. It was not rancid. Everything's okay, guys. Yeah. Um, and I had my farm fresh eggs. And I just you know, wanted to provide something. And uh, so we loaded up and people started checking baits and I rode in a truck with Larry and his friend. Um, and I only took Piper along. I chained out Ridge and Cedar. So I only had Piper along around out or in the truck. And I had honestly no intention of turning her loose because I'm like, okay, you know, we've got a tag to fill today. These guys, you know, probably know which dogs will get the job done. And, you know, this isn't my territory and this isn't my place to be saying, you know, let me turn my right. dog loose, right. all that stuff. I wanted to respect, you know, their situation there. I just wanted to bring her along because she deserved to, you know, rig a little bit or whatever. Okay, so we get to the bait that uh, we're going to run off of and we turn all the dogs out. Larry's going to hate that I'm <laughs> telling this part of the story i we want you you need to out. tell this part of the story this is epic yeah so we turn all the dogs out that um we're gonna start and they had a really hard time figuring out uh the bait um and the direction the bear went i don't know they were like 30 40 yards from the bait just like not doing anything bunch of dogs came back dogs went out to like 100 yards and came back so like Two or three at least came back, and I'm like, okay, counting in my head, okay, well, like, how many dogs are out now, and then could we throw any more? Because you can only have six out. Right. And so dogs came back, and I'm, like, counting, and I'm like, okay, how many dogs do we have out now? And we confirm that. I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm throwing Piper out. And I don't necessarily like to throw her out if I don't have my own truck and, like, my long-range antenna, and I can go where I need to if something happens and all that. But I was like, we need to get after this. And I know Piper can take this track. Right. Like, I was like, 
you you can do it, girl. So I throw her out, and finally the dogs start moving, and they take it out to the left, probably, I don't know, six, 400 yards, not super far at all. Like, we can still hear them, and I'm looking at the GPS, and everybody's like, they're treed. And I'm looking at mine, and I'm, like, listening. I'm like, well, that's weird. Like, if they're all treed, Piper would be treed with them um, if it's a bear, and it would be showing up as treed. I'm like, Piper's not showing up as treed. Like, she's still moving. Mm-hmm. So everybody starts walking in there, and sure enough, it was a slick tree. Slicker than bleep. So were, Lar- <laughs> like- were Larry's dogs on this tree? Oh yes, both of them were. Yeah, he yeah he probably and, didn't. Want and that Piper out. was nowhere to be found. <laughs> um, yeah. But other people's dogs were too. Um, who knows what that was about? It was all dogs that weren't used to running with each other too. Right. So you had a dynamic going on that was just kind of a cluster. Right. Um, well, which can plus- happen. Like if you're running. Yeah, I mean, they just spent 30 hours in a truck and riding all that way and the wound tighter than a fiddle string. And, you know, so you got to you got to cut them a little bit of slack. Yeah, for sure. Um, so they they got their dogs off the tree and Piper's still milling around. And at that point, I thought like it was kind of like over and I called her back and I was like later that I shouldn't have done that. But anyway, so then Larry started walking his dogs out away from that tree um, to the direction they thought it would be good to try and start a track again. And he went for a little walk in the woods and and Piper was out there, too. And they finally got it moving. Um, The track moving, at least, not necessarily the bear. The bear was not jumped um, till later. And then everybody got in a groove again. By everybody, I mean the dogs. So... Uh, that worked out, and I had to follow my dog from the back seat of the truck because my GPS had lost connection, and so I hopped in with somebody else and got her put on their GPS um, to follow along. So it was kind of like nerve-wracking not to be literally in the driver's seat and not having It's that pretty GPS nerve-wracking right when you're to... in the driver's seat. <laughs> Um, I think everybody else should be nerve wracked if I'm in the driver's That's seat. what I just said. It's more <laughs> oh, nerve wracking. Okay, yeah. yeah. It's more nerve wracking when you are in the driver's seat. Yeah, and you didn't even get to be in the truck with me when we were driving around New I already Mexico. knew. I already knew and that's why I was driving and doing my own thing. I was like, No. <laughs> not going there. I was hearing- I know what I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a re- and it was a got- rental. It was a rental and nothing happened to it. Yeah. And I, I'm, I, I think I'm a very good driver. My mother would disagree, I'm an but she doesn't driver. know how you have to drive when you're hound hunting. That's so. right. <laughs> well, I get accused, um, Lauren, I get accused all the time when I'm out West here, but I'm going to tell you that Larry Anderson looks, he drives exactly where he looks. And when you're on a two track on the side of a mountain, then yeah, it gets pretty hairy. Gets pretty hairy. Yeah, he he talked about that a little bit in the truck. Like we had a lot of fun bouncing oh, yeah. around in that truck. He's a blast. Um, yeah, 
and he talked about that a little bit. About me wearing like, my seatbelt yeah, all the time? Uh-huh. And uh, I was like, yeah, I think Chris is a little bit of a scaredy cat. <laughs> like, I, I was like, I was like, I would have been fine. It's fine. I told him the other day, I was like, the reason I wear my seatbelt is so when they find this crushed truck over the side of the mountain, they're going to be able to identify the bodies quicker. They're going to be like, oh. Well, Chris would have been wearing his seatbelt, so this must be him over here. And then this, you're, yeah, you're you're assuming that you're still in one piece, though. Well, even if even if I'm not, you know, Larry's decapitated, mangled body will be laying somewhere out there, unable to identify him, and then I'll be securely fastened in the passenger seat, and they'll be like, "Oh, the smart guy was wearing his seatbelt in the passenger seat." That's my that's my spin on it. I, I actually, when I am driving, I do wear my seatbelt a lot, unless you know you're just driving up the road to like check a bait or just do something super quick. But oh yeah, um, yeah, that's I just I feel naked without it. Right. But anyway, so the dogs are out. They're working this bear. Um, you can still you can tell because of how slow that they're moving that it's still a pretty cold track and then there's this guy in that group up there his name's goober and he's like in his 70s but he is like a horse and it has like the enthusiasm and everything to just stay like he is running basically with the dogs yeah he is like bear girls out there in the woods staying as close to the dogs as he can you know Sometimes it's 500 yards, sometimes it's 250, 100, whatever it is. But he's out there, like, running with these dogs. And and maybe that's something you've got to do there because the wolf situation is bad and you've got to get to a tree as fast as you can and things like that. So And he knows the territory, so he knows how to get around um, better than, I mean, I didn't know anything up there. Yeah. So, the bear finally gets jumped, and it kind of did a figure eight from where we started. Um, I don't know how many miles total it was. I forgot to ask, forgot to look. Um, but there were times when that was happening that Piper would pull up treed, and I'm like, no, she's not like she's not treed. Like something's wrong. This is weird. Um, like, just give it a second, and sure enough, lad, like, she kept moving. Um, and then probably, I don't know, 500 yards, 400 yards from the tree, where that figure eight crosses, Piper stopped moving. And that's when I got worried. And um, I knew something was wrong, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, i seen this before where she just gets stuck on a track because she works she sniffs it so hard and i saw that you know that the tracks crossed right there that i'm like okay maybe she's just super confused and she just can't figure it out and that's just piper being piper uh so the dog's tree you know a little bit after that and we're rushing to get in there going down the roads that we need to and figuring that out and when we're getting out of the truck and trying to figure out which way we're going to go in and if anyone's taking an ATV, if we're just walking, whatever it is, Goober gets on the, his handheld and I hear it on the radio. He's like, who's that other lady that's out here? Who, who That lady, um, her dog's here. And I'm like, 
get on the radio. I'm like, yeah, that's me. It's Lauren. And uh, he's like, yeah, your your dog got it in the butt. She's, you know, lifting it up. She can't walk on it. And before that, he had got on the radio and said that Fly, Larry's dog, had gotten it and ripped on the head. Um, the bear had bit her on the head and split her wide open there. Right. Um, so yeah, those, those pictures were pretty brutal. Scarface Fly now. That's her nickname. Yeah. Yeah, I've got to get a picture now that it's healed up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I took some pretty gruesome pictures, but she healed up fine from what I hear. Yep, she did. Um, I just looked at her this evening. She came and hardly tell she was hit. Yeah. So based on what, what Goober was saying, though, and the fact that Piper made it to the tree, and I knew it wasn't, it's not life-threatening. You know, he didn't say it with... Like, hey, you got to get over here now, or this is bad, or anything like that. Like, everybody was super calm and cool about it. And I think that's what helped me be like, it's going to be fine. It's fine. Like, there's nothing to worry about. And, you know, Piper made it to the tree, and she was still hammering. It's fine. Um, So everybody got to the tree. Oh, gosh, there were probably at least 15 of us. Um, that went in there to look at the bear and we analyzed it and our shooter decided to pass on it. And um, I think it was a good choice to pass on that bear. And some people say like, you know, should have had that bear shot and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, like it's, it's that guy's decision on what he wants to do with a tag. Let's say it was training season or, you know, we didn't have a shooter that day. We would have a start, still turn loose on that bear, and whatever happened happened. Right. It's just what happens when you bear hunt, and it is what it is. So I wasn't, I was, I was happy he passed on that bear, and I it was nice to see us just take a look at that bear, kind of tap on the tree, get it to move up and down, so we got a better look at it, um, and we got to watch it come down and run away, and then walk back to the truck and. Yeah. Um, so, so we doctored the dogs. Yeah. We doctored the dogs, and um, by the end of it, we decided Piper's wound was a little too substantial to do an at-home repair job. So I was like, well, if I stayed here, I really can't keep the wound clean. If or you know, It's just a better thing for me to go home and, and deal with it at home and get to my vet or or what have you. I heard you so were that freaking was, out. that was my choice. How was I freaking out? <laughs> Piper's been bear bit. Oh my goodness. What am I going to do? I got to get her to an emergency vet. Is that how it went? No. I was like, well, should I take her to an emergency? I didn't actually end up taking her to the emergency vet. You took a chicken to home. the vet. Yeah, but it wasn't an emergency. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up t- I cleaned it out um, with help from a friend uh, that's a vet tech she um, gave me some syringes and chlorhexidine yeah. and um, I cleaned it out and had a vet appointment the next day and they did a little surgery on her put three drains in and like seven or eight stitches uh, the muscle was torn underneath in one spot and three big pockets um so it's it's something that i shouldn't have handled on my own 
Yeah, good choice. So yeah. Um, so, yeah, I got there at, like, 11 p.m., and I left the next day by, like, 11 a.m. So it was a it was a short visit. Yeah, 12 hours in bear camp compared right. to 60 days. Right. Yeah. Well, you know what? The, uh, you, you know, know the... a, lo a lot of people would sit back and armchair quarterback it and say, eight stitches, are you kidding me? I, you know, I had a doctor that dog. But, you know, what if you had not taken the precautions and then you've got permanent damage in your dog? Where are you going to be for the next sure. next several years, you know? So it's your decision. Sure. And, yeah, I was just giving you a hard time there, Lauren about you know it's yeah. it's it's kind of well, cool it, the, these dogs are very important to us and we want to give them the best care we can and you made a judgment call that that it was beyond your capabilities which is pretty and Larry's. Uh, yeah he made the call too yeah yeah and larry stapled them up from end so, to end so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep so i mean and it only cost me like 400 something dollars versus if i went to an emergency vet it would have been way more than oh, that um, yeah um so she just got her stitches out today she's doing really well um she was on clavamox for an antibiotic which is the best that you can can get a dog especially when you've got a bear bite um and i do recommend you guys check out chlorhexidine solution um to clean things out rather than like betadine or hydrogen peroxide it's a really good antiseptic it doesn't sting it doesn't foam it doesn't get messy um it's just super easy you know what i keep in my kit for for cleaning out cleaning out wounds like that um saline solution for contact lenses because either you've yeah, got that, it, that too yeah you've either got it in a squeeze bottle so you can i mean you can really put some pressure on it and and clean that out so it's a saline scrub and then um, you know get them wrapped up and and stapled up or stitched up or something like that but yeah I've, I've found that that uh, saline solution works really well too yeah I looked up um, I, I've gotten it just from free for free from my vet they give me the concentrate and then I dilute it as needed um, but you can get huge jugs of it on Amazon for like eleven dollars. The no chlorhexidine, and yeah, and you can just buy, just buy big syringes like the the wider diameter ones, right? Without the needle, mm -hmm. and that's how you can flush stuff out. And highly, re ten out of ten would recommend. Nice, nice. That's a good little piece of information so. right there because I was kind of looking for. I mean, saline solution is is relatively cheap as well, and and uh, but yeah. But it it doesn't have the anti antiseptic, antimicrobial, antifungal, all right. the, those. Yep. Properties, yeah. Yeah, I just learned something. So, cool. Yeah, so I had to drive home the three hours. Real, I've got a dog in heat that's going to be in heat for two more weeks, and then I got a dog that's ripped up, and I don't know how long that recovery is going to take. You know. It could be two weeks. It could be longer, depending on how things go. And yeah, so it was it was rough on the heart. Yeah. Um. And uh, now I'm ready to go again. We've got two more weekends left. Um. The guy I normally run with, uh, though, he's got some uh, heart issues. He's figuring out. So 
uh, trying to figure out if I can actually get out this weekend. <laughs> well, I hope you can. Hope you can. Yeah. It's not like I've got a, you know, a lot of people have, you know, six, 10 dogs. I've got, I've got two bear dogs. I can't necessarily go out alone and, and do it by myself with these two fools. Well, has <laughs> Piper and Cedar have treed bears by them, themselves before, correct? Uh, Piper has treed bear on her own solo for this year, mm-hmm. actually. Um, Cedar hasn't treed one on her own, but she's treed one with like Piper and one other dog. I, I mean, I don't doubt they could do it. But it's really nice to have someone just in case you need to go block a road because you don't know if the dogs are going to go that direction. So I just like that, being able to have someone else out there with you. Yeah, it's a little bit different out in Idaho just because it's um, not roaded as well. So a lot of times it'll just be Larry and I in one vehicle and and we just hunt. You know, you just go and hunt. Mm Mm-hmm. It's kind of nice, you know. You don't have the you don't have the big crowds, uh, but there are advantages to have the having those big crowds out there to to lend a helping hand and the radio communication and blocking roads and things like you said. But yeah. uh, they're really in a traffic I, they're I, really in a traffic issue out here. The, either though, so um, yeah, it's different. Yeah, for sure. I like hunting with very small groups of people. Mm-hmm. Um, it just sometimes makes things way easier, less complicated. But then you know that there's other people in the groups around the, you that can come to your assistance if needed. Right. So that's that's what I like. You know, we don't always have to go out with, you know, eight guys, eight different trucks. It could be just two or three or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's different when you go to different parts of the country. When I hunt in the eastern eastern mountains, then there's generally more people involved and in, in radios and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. The cool thing about hunting in the east is you get people that, that have been bear hunters or just want to be a part of the hunt. They don't have a dog in the hunt, but they'll be out there. They've, they've invested in a radio. They've invested in GPS, you know, and... The, and they know what their job is and they're there to assist. They just, they don't want to sit at home. They want to be involved. And those, everybody, everybody plays a part, you know, everybody plays a part exactly. in a well, well-organized team. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. We've got some of those in, in the group in Elko and it's great to have them around. And, and if you're too busy handling dogs or trying to figure out what's going on, they can, be the ones taking pictures or, you know, doing this or that, or maybe you've got too many dogs to handle all the woods. They can help you with that. Or maybe you need um, to ride back so to your truck. Or that. Yeah. 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 Just all kinds of good stuff. That's mm-hmm. cool I know thing. Larry's had a little bit of a rude awakening when he got out to Wisconsin and, and saw how we hunt out, out here versus, you know, his one man show out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, you know, I want to get to the point where I can be a one-man show, um, but I think I need to add a couple more dogs first. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. So, I'm I'm definitely going to start Ridge on Bear next year. I regret not doing it, but, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I would say he'll, he'll come into it just fine. Oh, I think so, too. I mean, Piper started 
Um, I, you know, I first started Piper on Coon and she did really good on Coon and then I started her on Bear and she's doing great on Bear. So we'll just cross our fingers and That's put right. in the time. That's all you got to do is put in the time. That's right. Yep. Yeah. I, uh, I was reading Gary Robertson's book, his new book, Eyes Front, and uh, he talked about one of the lines that stuck. There's a few lines that stuck out to me, but one of them is... Um, uh, he who hunts the most hunts the best, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, that was one of the, one of the lines that stuck out to me. You know, you take somebody like Calvin Redhouse down there. Um, you know, Calvin's got good dogs because he hunts all the time. Mm-hmm. That's, you know? yep. It's, it's, it's a true statement. And I, I would have never gotten to where I did by the end of the training season and if I didn't put in the time right and there's a lot of people that that do that and it works out and there's a reason it works out and then there's you know people who don't and their dogs aren't as good and there's a reason (laughs) yep no there's no doubt about that did uh did I tell you that Kung Fu got killed by a uh, bear down in, on the res? Yes, you did tell me that. Yeah. Yeah, like a month or two ago you told me that. Oh, okay. I couldn't remember if I told you mm-hmm. or not. But, uh, you know, that's a that's a perfect example that of a dog that you could have lost patience with her. She was kind of quirky. Um, she was, she was kind of shy around strangers and strange dogs. So I left her down there with Calvin because she was going to hunt with the same dogs and the same people all the time. And Mm -hmm. Calvin turned her into a bear dog down there and, and, uh, she got on the wrong bear and, and was running out in front of everything else and, and ended up getting, getting, uh, taken out by a bear. So it was, it was kind of a sad deal, but you know, these dogs live for that kind of stuff and, and. Right. It's, it's the heart of a hound and, and you can't, you can't fault a dog, you know, for going out doing what they love. Right. Right. So. And, uh, yeah, I think my mom hoped though, like she was over visiting on Sunday or something like that. And she was like, so are you going to keep bear hunting? And I, and I'm like, like, like the next two weekends. And she's like, no, like forever. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) And she looked at me like, even though like the bear, like, bit your baby like you hurt your baby and i'm like yeah i mean piper's my girl but like this like and i go mom she made it to the tree like this dog was fine like it was gonna happen it's not gonna stop me from bear hunting like if i'm the type of person that my dog getting bit is gonna stop me from hunting like go ahead and shoot me now (laughs) (laughs) because i'm worthless at that point then right so um I I don't think she liked my answer, and um, but this this is what I love to do, and this is what my dogs love to do. I'm not forcing them to do it, you know. If if they want to go and run that track and bay that bear up, they're they're gonna do it. I'm not I'm not doing any, you know. Yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna y'all. I'm You're gonna all in bear hunting. Yeah, Linda Branny. You're going to have to just get used to it. (laughs) (laughs) 
So tell me about the wolf situation in in uh, Wisconsin. How do you guys mitigate risks for wolves and things like that while you're bear hunting? Sure. Um, well, I actually mentioned on the last podcast with Seth that a uh, wolf was just hit down the road from me. Um, yep. And uh, that's not cool. Um, but, you know, they're around. We knew that they were around. You know, the DNR will deny it uh, in this area. Uh, we've got the proof now, and I and they know they're just going to deny it, but whatever. Uh, but as far you, as, like, mitigating... Have you got your tinfoil hat ahead. on? Have you got your tinfoil <laughs> hat on, conspiracy theorists? I've, heavy heavy duty tinfoil Reynolds wrap. <laughs> yeah. Not uh, not just the stuff you buy at Aldi. <laughs> right, right. The real, the real deal. Yeah, you got to get um, this from GFS, you know, commercial grade. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Um, so, you know, as far as mitigating, you have to hunt a cer- the territory a lot and get to know the patterns. Have trail cams out, look for tracks, um, look for signs of wolves, listen at night, stuff like that. If you get if you know the area really well, you're you're. I mean, wolves are super sneaky, but you're you're gonna have a better idea and talk to everybody around Mm -hmm. what are you seeing what are you experiencing you know if we share that information we're all going to be better off in my opinion Mm -hmm. um so even if you know i've got a picture of a wolf on our bait you know across the highway i'm going to share that with the the people on the other side of the highway because wolves they travel sure they do um yep so uh as far as like mitigating, it's knowing your hunting area, knowing the patterns, talking to people. I run bells on my dogs. Um, get to the tree as fast as possible. That's one thing we mentioned in the last podcast. And I just get to know your community, I guess. There's, yeah. I mean, at this point, there's really nothing legally you can do. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. Um but just yeah, and, and and the uh the wolf kills that we are confirmed by the DNR. Um four hounds does get reported and our um Bear Hunters Association Association Wisconsin Bear Hunters Association sends out a email blast to everybody and it shows where the kill was, a six mile radius around it, um provides, you know, the details of wolves kill the trailing hound you know, yeah. this date, blah, blah, blah. Um, so at least, you know, but for every dog that is killed by a wolf, you know, there are, could be, well, and I know for a fact, there are dogs that were never recovered that you can't even prove was a wolf kill, even though two other dogs in the pack were killed by wolves and proven. So, right. yeah. I, I just, it something came to mind and I don't know if it, I'll play the devil's advocate a little bit, but Mike Colley, I don't know if you, did you see Diablo while you were there? I did. Yeah. He came from Mike Colley and, uh, Mike lost a dog to an alligator last month, I think, or two months ago. I don't know. It's been, it's been recently. And, uh, you know, when I look at that, they don't stop hunting because there's alligators. They know they're there. And they just keep rolling. So I think wolves are a 
can be a deal. I, I, I am not a wolf fan. I'll just get that out there right now. But, uh, and you've heard me talk about my feelings about wolves, the forced re- introduction and, and I mean, I can go on a rant about wolves, but at some point you just got to look at it and think there's a hazard everywhere you go. If you hunt in my country, then, then mm-hmm. you can get hit by a car that, you know, the dog can be hit by a car. It can fall on a cistern. You know, so, you know, I don't know what the answer is, but, uh, wolves are a pretty easy target for a lot of houndsmen right now. And rightfully so. I'm not saying that they're, they're not justified, um, on that stuff. It's just, it's just, you know, Ross Feenster mentioned if he, if he worried about wolves every time he turned loose, he'd never turn loose. So I was, I was just curious well, how you mitigate, how you mitigate the risks up there in, in, uh, Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. And and I've talked about it on this podcast before, years before, you know, one year ago, even two years ago, I had absolute petrifying fear of wolves. And I barely turned Piper out last year because of it. And then the year before that, nobody got turned out because I was I was a scaredy cat. And I came to the realization that I'm not going to be able to do what I like. And my dogs aren't going to be able to do what you love they love and I'm not going to have any fun really if I, if I live in fear of this and it's kind of like riding with Larry Anderson through the mountains and you just got to do it. Exactly. Yeah. So you just got to do it and just be confident in your dogs and be confident in the country. And you know, these woods are our woods too. I mean, yeah, there's crappy stuff out there, but you know, we can, these woods are our woods and we're going to run these dogs and that's what it's going to be. So I don't know. You just, you got to be prepared for the worst, hope for the best and be out there just to have fun, not to be scared. Right. Right. Yep. Good. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so what so. else, what else we want to talk about in this in this rambling bear hunting overall podcast. <laughs> well, we've got coon season coming up here shortly in Wisconsin. Yes. Uh, yours probably starts, what, a month a month after ours? Uh, we start November 8th. Oh, okay. So we're mid-October here. Okay. So it's uh, I think it's the weekend after bear hunting ends. Wow. So I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited about that. And now that I realize, okay, Piper's putting all her weight on her back leg that got bit, you know, I was to the point where I had to bring Maggie out of retirement uh, (laughs) to get Reg started on Coon. And now that Piper gets bit by the bear, my mom doesn't want to give Maggie to me because she thinks Maggie's going to get hurt and, you know, I'm not going to take care (laughs) of her right or whatever. And I'm like, Come on, woman. Like come on, Linda. I'm taking care of three dogs here. Yeah. Come on, Linda. <laughs> so um I don't think I have to take Maggie out of retirement. Uh, I think Piper will, will do. Um but I'm I'm pretty excited, honestly, for Coon season. And Andrea, who we've had on the podcast before, her pup just turns six months old like a couple days ago and I've been getting these texts from her at like 11 p.m. and sometimes I'll wake up like randomly I'm usually asleep by then okay everybody I'm old whatever <laughs> so um 
Yeah. <laughs> so I'll get these texts from her and I'll like read them. And she's been out with her pup and she sends me like a novel about everything that happened. But it's sure. like all exciting stuff. And mm-hmm. the other night she um, barked on track and followed a track for like a super, super long time. And uh, what was it? Did the dog tree and she couldn't find it? Or the dog just did end up training, but it was like a super good track. Yeah. Either way, it's exciting stuff for a six-month-old and her first dog that she's starting. And the dog doesn't have a pup trainer with it. So um, we've got to get together and and get both of our young pups out with Piper and get after it. Yeah. Get some fur down. So you're going to hunt one at a time or you're going to hunt them both together? Uh, the young pups? Yeah. Um, we haven't discussed that, but I would, I'd throw them out. I'd throw both of them out together. Really? Um, if we're together, yeah. Well, I mean, I would, you, al- so I would alternate them. Piper and one pup and then Piper and the other pup. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I really do. I, I never had, I prefer to start pups and <laughs> hunt them, hunt them alone exclusively and, and just be patient and let them figure it out. But. That's not always possible. I don't always stick to that rule. Sometimes I get frustrated and want to see a coon in a tree, so I'll take an older dog and you know drop him out with the pup. But rarely do I hunt more than one pup together. It just seems like you multiply your problems and your potential for problems yeah. when you hunt multiple pups together. Because uh, one it, could learn bad, you know. Yeah, I mean, you get one dog. Yeah, one, okay. you get you get one dog running. Uh, pups are energetic it's like having it's like having kids around you know um and i got kicked out of a parenting class a long time ago i'll go into that story time sometime about oh we've heard it i think we've heard it yeah comparing (laughs) comparing raising kids to and dog training but anyway um you know they're already predisposed to run junk they're already predisposed to tree possums you know they're they're just learning so i just like hunting one at a time yeah i guess i've never had to train more than one um but i guess i have two now i really should start cedar on coon too mm-hmm. so sure but she's really good at opening on track ridge hasn't opened on track yet really um so it's just going to be an interesting year and speaking of possum I'm trying to trap a raccoon, okay, right now, guys? I've got my live trap out. I do it every day. All I've caught is an opossum. An opossum. <laughs> so, um, little... Well, that's, yeah. The opossums. Possums are like in, a... yeah. Possums are like in Australia. I mean, we call them possums here because it's just more fun to say. <laughs> um, and not as difficult. <laughs> exactly. So what are you baiting your but... trap? What are you baiting your trap with? Well, that trap was baited with some leftovers of like apple, walnut, sweet bread, some Ooh. plums, and some pork uh, mm. uh, chop. Yeah. And you so, ca- I mean, I could have attracted a raccoon. And you caught the North American like marsupial, like the Virginia mm-hmm. opossum. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Old Smiley. Yep. And I, I let him go. I let him go. He was sleeping in the little cage, and I tipped him out and let him go, and he wasn't sure what was going on. But I don't mind having opossums around. around. Um, I've never treed one in all my years of coon hunting. Yeah. Um, 
but they're 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 good for the farm. They eat ticks, they eat bugs, and they don't really harm anything. So right. I'm cool with them being around. Yep. Woodchucks, on the other hand, no. So bait having your, a woodchuck problem. Bait your trap with marshmallows and peanut butter. See if you can catch it. See if you I can catch know. It. Well, I knew about the marshmallows, but you're saying like, should I make like a marshmallow peanut butter sandwich? Yeah, that'll work. I usually just take uh, okay. I usually just take marshmallows like the big the big ones that you use on a campfire, and just dip them in the you know just scoop yeah. some peanut butter on each marshmallow. Put a couple out towards okay. the end and and uh, get those raccoons where they're like, mm, yeah, I like marshmallow peanut butter, and that. It seems like every time I I'll I just bet, keep coming back for more. Yep, yep. And once you treat, once you trap a possum, and you turn them loose, it's like they're not they're not as dumb as what people think. Because it's like, oh, that's a free meal, and I'm going to get turned loose when she gets here tomorrow. So, I always try to relocate possums away from where I trapped them. Okay. Because okay. I've I've actually well. I've actually, you know, looked them over. And, you know, they've got a split ear on the right side or whatever. And the next day you go out there and it's the same possum in the trap again. So a long time. <laughs> yeah, I should have spray painted it. I've marked them like that, too. I wasn't going to. Yeah, you can you can spray paint a possum and, and keep track of how many times you catch them. But if you if you haul them away, then then uh, there's plenty more that are going to take their spot to eat ticks and such. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Well, in that moment, I was like, go free, buddy. Go ahead. Walk away. <laughs> and he didn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you know what, do you know what is, um, do you know what is unique besides being the North American marsupial about a possum? How much do you know about possum, uh, possum anatomy? I don't, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know enough, but their hands are freaking creepy to look at. Yeah, they're weird, aren't they? <laughs> Yeah. They're they're pretty amazing animals. For one thing, they can, you know, they can actually use their tail to grip limbs oh, and different things like that. Are you going like to talk that. about Lyme disease? No, I wasn't going to say talk- anything. Oh, okay. But that that's another thing. You know, Lyme disease and rabies, they don't transmit either one. They're like natural dead dead ends. Yeah, yep. what what was what's your fun fact? So the tail being able to use that the most the most interesting fact about a possum is that they've got a bifurcated penis. It's like double headed. Yep. Is that what it? Okay. Yep. That, I mean, like, do they have bifurcated vaginas too? No. <laughs> is <that> like... <laughs> not on the so same. Not on like the same. Not on the same possum. <laughs> 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 That'd be weird. Yes. That'd be real weird. Yeah. Okay, so it's not like a raccoon. No. Nope. But it does does it um have a bone like a raccoon? Every every species has a baculum. It's called a baculum. See, I'm oh, nerd I'm nerding okay. out. In cess in cess absence it. I'm gonna nerd out a little bit. So yeah, every every mammal has a baculum except for primates. And um uh, so okay. they do have what a about back, dolphins? Hmm? I don't know about a oh, dolphin. Okay. I don't know about a dolphin. I really don't want to Google it, though. I'm not going to Google it because you just don't know what's going to come I'm up. I'm going to Google it right now. I'm Go ahead. It. Yep. 
See, the only thing I know about bifurcated is a bifurcated um, cost basis mutual fund account. And that means, <laughs> I'll nerd out for you guys on finance. Uh, <laughs> that means the cost basis is split into two different sections, covered and non-covered. And they're calculated differently because of this rule that was created uh, January 1st, 2012. Uh, I'll bore you guys with that. Never again. I'll stop right now. Maybe maybe Chris is done Googling. <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Okay. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to oh, you no. don't you don't want to Google do dolphins have a penis? Uh, or a vacuum. Well, I'm that's sorry. Not what you're, okay. Yeah, a vacuum. Okay. I'm sorry. I was sorry. gonna say that's not what you're supposed to Google. Yeah. But now everybody's gonna go Google it. I don't know if this is a family friendly show anymore. Chris? Well, we're not, <laughs> according to our competitors, we're not free either. So, um, yeah, that there you go. <laughs> it's biology. Like everybody yeah. learns this stuff That's in school. Right. So, yeah, and it's nature. You know, the funny thing is, you know, we've got females that come into heat and all that stuff. Hey, and my mom gets hey. so gross. My mom. Okay, so here's ahead. here's a, I've got a Google fact for you. I was incorrect. Okay. The only mammal species without baculum are hor humans, horses, donkeys, rhinoceros, marsupials, which is a possum, rabbits, and I need to send this word to uh, cetaceans, the marine family that includes whales and dolphins, oh, elephants, and hyenas. Okay. So there Interesting. you go. Interesting. So like God... Kind of just went like you, you, not you, you, yeah. you, not you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's basically how it went. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I mean, it's all for a purpose, I'm sure. So. Yes. Yes, I'm sure it is. So let's talk about hounds. Back to hounds, since this is a Houndsman XP podcast. So you're trying to figure out yeah. what you're going to breed, breed Piper to, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm... Yeah, so I'm struggling with that. And at the same time, I'm also struggling with, like, when do I breed her? Because it's kind of tricky for what's tri me. What's I tricky about like. it? Okay. So she comes into heat, like, late October and then again in the spring. Okay. And if I breed her this heat, this heat cycle that's coming up, then I'm going to be stuck at home all winter, not able to go anywhere. Like, who's going to watch these puppies that are born in, like, the end of December? And then I'm, you know, st stuck all, all winter with these dogs. And I guess any time of the year I am, but, like, I'm not sure if I'm prepared for that. And then she she won't really be out much a coon season because it ends mid February. So if she has these pups like December, uh, January, she'll, she can still get in quite a like bit of coon hunting. Yeah. So that's not really an issue. And then she can get into bear hunting cause those pups will be gone by then. So that's fine. Um, next winter, I really wanted to take her out and do a New Mexico bear hunt with her. Okay. So I would have to do it like right in the beginning of their bear season and Stuart Barry, who is a friend of the podcast and we're friends and his wife and I are friends um, said that like late October, beginning of November is the best. And I'm thinking, well, that's when she's going to be in heat. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, but at the same 
time if I want to breed her next winter, maybe there's somebody out west that I would breed her to, and then it would be easier because I'd be out there anyway. I don't know. Your thoughts, Chris? Well, I like I like having pups in the fall. Uh, I know you, you miss out mm-hmm. on some hunting time with, in your situation, you brought up an interesting point. You know, who's going to take care of puppies in January when you want to be at, on the reservation or in New Mexico or, you know, out, out chasing lions. Um, but mm-hmm. the, the advantages to having pups that time of year is you've got all winter, you've got all spring for them to mature, you've got summer to to work with them and then usually by the next season they're about the right age to really you know to start them and uh get them rolling the other part you know the other thing so that's my preference but if you wait until spring you're going to be looking at pups that are going to be a year and a half old before they really get any exposure to a lot of game and that sort of and stuff. And then I'll have to deal with puppies during bear season. And who wants to deal with that? Exactly. Like watching puppies. Exactly. So it's like a lose-lose, kind of. But better to have them in the winter. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Yep. That's and- when Piper was born. She was born, uh, well, she was born the first week in November or something like that. And I, I brought her home the day after Christmas. Yep. It just seems to me like, you know, puppies help speed up that lag time between the hunting seasons more because you've got something to to Mm -hmm. and you've done it you had piper and or a cedar and ridge all summer and messing with them and it just seems like it makes this the the downtime go by faster and then before you know it it's definitely dead it's time to go hunting let's go hunting so Mm -hmm. there you go yeah I just it, it's if it's this year it's it's going to happen so fast and I don't know if I'm ready for that and oh gosh the heat I'm going to get from Linda oh boy <laughs> 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 yep. yep mother she doesn't listen to this so it's okay but my grandparents do once in a while hey That's... Bruce and Rita hey grandma and grandpa <laughs> <laughs> yeah awesome awesome what else yeah. you got? What else so, you got? Yeah, I've got a conundrum. Um, not really a whole lot. Um, my dogs are pretty comfortable being outside, and they're doing really well uh, living outside in their kennels. Um, so that that's good. I mean, they'd be out there for a bunch of hours during the day, but I'm trying to get them kind of winterized or acclimated to it getting colder. Mm-hmm. Just because when Piper comes into heat, it's just going to be easier to have the rest of them out there, especially Ridge, the male. Right. Because that, oh my gosh. So he went crazy, like crazy, crazy for a while. And I've never experienced that in my life. Um, And he was supposed to actually get snipped on Tuesday. We're recording this on, it's Wednesday today. So he was supposed to get snipped yesterday. And I couldn't go through with it, Chris. I felt horrible and I'm like, you know, he's so young and what if he turns out and, you know, by that time I'll have another dog that's not related to them in my kennel and I'll want to breed him and blah, blah, blah. And so I didn't do it. And I don't know if it was a good decision or a bad decision, but it's the decision I made. Yep. Well, you know what? You're the one that has to make the decision. I think, yep. you know, it's it's just one of those deals that um, 
I think we all debate that. You know, I've got a male plot right now that that probably should go ahead and be neutered. I don't have any plans of hunting him. I go back to what Shorty Gorm said because I believe it. You know, the horse industry figured it out a long time ago. There aren't very many there aren't very many stallions or stud horses out there because they're hard to deal with. So there's a lot of geldings out mm-hmm. there that perform very well uh, and only the most phenomenal specimens remain stallions and um sure that's something that even i struggle with um and i know a lot of houndsmen do about you know do i neuter this dog or don't i neuter to this neuter this dog but i think if if sometimes i think maybe we ought to have somebody else that we can trust and say hey would you breed to this dog and if they or would you neuter them and say, well, there's these things that I don't like about your dog. Or if somebody can be honest with you enough to tell you that, I think sometimes that can help. I really sure. do. Sure. And, and I was like, okay, you know, you can get a stud dog from anywhere. There's, you know, plenty of, there's more unneutered males than there are neutered males out there. So, right. you know, that's a thing. But in the back of my head, I'm thinking, you know, this is kind of the last of, of these dogs lines where they come from Max Gibson, you know, he's not going to be around a whole much longer. And right now I really like what these dogs are doing. You know what I do? And I'm, I, I think I would, I would take Ridge at the age he's at right now and talk to Max, take Max hunting with him and, and just ask, ask mm-hmm. for Max's opinion. It's his line of dogs. Would you breed this dog right. back into your line, or do you want this dog representing your life's work? That's a good idea. Yep. That's let, a good idea. Let him yeah. make the decision. If he says, you know, Lauren, I really like your dog, but, or he says, I really like this dog. That dog ain't worth. No, he yeah. may say, I really like this dog. You know, please don't mm-hmm. neuter him. I would like to breed a female back to him. Or, you know, you just never know, but. Max is the one that that's put his heart and soul and his life into to bring that line line of dogs and give him the say. Thank you. Yeah, that's great advice. It's great advice. I got to get the dog going first before I start bringing him down there. <laughs> step step one. Yeah, yeah. Well, get but, some get some miles yeah. on him. Get some miles and some hunts on him this this fall through the coon season, and uh, you know before the weather gets too bad. Invite Max down for a hunt. See what he says. Yeah. Well, I'll have to go to him. There you go. So, But that's not an issue. He's not right. super far away. Right. Yeah, good advice. But other than that, I mean, I don't have a whole lot. Well, you I know what? Think. I've got a ton of stuff, but it's also getting late. And um, if I get started on some of the things that I want to talk about, we'll be here for another hour. So. Let's save it for another podcast. Sounds good. Well, it's been good talking to you. I, I hope our guests are happy to hear the familiar voice of uh, Mr. Chris Powell here <laughs> and uh, enjoyed our little catch-up chat, our catch-up with Chris. You got, Yeah, you guys have done an outstanding job, and I'll just, I want to give you and Seth a shout-out for keeping the, keeping the wheels on the bus and keeping them turning while I had to take a brief hiatus. Uh, starting a business is a lot of work, 
lot of time and uh, it's kind of a roller coaster ride and I'm not sure where it's going to end up yet but um I really appreciate yeah. the team that you guys you you guys are just a great team to have and I really yeah, it's, appreciate it. It's you. great working with with both of you and and I think we can all agree it's it's fun to work together and it's also good to have your trust to keep the bus wheels turning. Sometimes we go right and left, but you know, we keep it on the road, I hope. Yeah, you kind of <laughs> you keep it between the ditches most of the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes you got to get a little bear hunting driving in there and woo, but That's right. we got it done. <laughs> Why don't you close out the podcast, Lauren? All right, Chris. Well, we've got coon season coming up, and uh, I got some pups to start, and my friends have some pups. And, you know, heck, maybe you've got a dog you're going to get out in the woods if you ever get out of Montana, or even in Montana. In Montana. But, yeah, you follow your hounds, and I'll follow mine. <laughs>